0: Few things are more devastating than a loved one that's gone missing. From Wondery, The Vanished is a podcast where host Marissa Jones tells stories of missing persons that have gone overlooked. She seeks out the real story from friends and family, hoping to help them find their loved ones or at least a sense of peace. Listen to The Vanished podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or you can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. a spirited young beauty moves out on her own.
1: Courtney was really proud of her apartment and her life. But she was 21, so she still wanted to go out and have fun and party.
2: She wanted to experience everything that life had to offer. She was just a fun, fun girl.
3: But in the aftermath of a wild summer night, Courtney's life takes
4: an alarming turn. He woke up in the morning and she was gone.
1: I was scared and panic had set in. It wasn't like her to not be in contact with somebody.
3: As police struggle to retrace Courtney's steps, the case becomes more baffling.
4: We don't have a lot of people go missing in Lebanon County. We thought potentially this could be a kidnapping.
3: And the list of frightening scenarios grows. There were several of Courtney's
1: friends
5: at that time that I didn't approve of their lifestyles.
1: She thought he was kind of weird and creepy.
4: This
3: close-knit community will not rest until they find their missing daughter.
4: We'd still hold out some hope that we might find Courtney alive somewhere.
3: As her grieving family yearns for peace.
5: We're not looking for an eye for an eye.
3: We want to know where our daughter's at. Late July 2012, in the small suburb of Palmyra, Pennsylvania, 21-year-old Courtney Sierra Stauffer is holding court like she's done throughout her entire life.
1: Courtney loved to be the center of attention. She liked to sing. She liked to dance. She liked to be the loudest one in the room. She liked to tell stories, very long stories. (laughs) Courtney
5: liked to be in the center of attention, but she was also very confident being there as well. As a little girl, Courtney would be in the talent show. She had a really pretty voice. Courtney has a very pretty musical voice. She gave a shot at a couple of different instruments. Courtney had a lot of talents. Well, She could wear a dress and be a Cinderella, and Courtney could go about back and, and stick right there with the boys. She had no problems going out in the backyard and throwing mud at each other. The
3: oldest girl of six children, Courtney grew up on a 10-acre farm outside Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and developed a deep love for animals, especially her dog, Sheba.
1: Courtney got Sheba when she was 8 years old, and she was just a tiny little puppy, and they were inseparable
5: She was very fond of horses. Her and her brother actually raised goats,
3: and they were very much active in the 4-H program. From the fairgrounds to the playing field, Courtney thrived on competition and really loved to win.
5: She did not like failure in any stretch.
1: She was very headstrong, very strong-willed. She was on the debate team, and she could debate any topic into the ground. She was very good at it. I loved sitting and listening to her practice at home. She would practice in the mirror. She would do both sides.
3: (laughs) After high school, the feisty teen worked part-time at her dad's recycling equipment firm. Then, instead of college, she followed her mom into the beauty business, in a very Courtney kind of way.
1: Courtney worked in a beauty salon with me for a year and then she started doing dog grooming and she loved dog grooming because Courtney said it was so much easier to do the animals than real people. They didn't talk back.
6: (laughs) Courtney started out working for me as a bather dryer. She had a knack for working with animals, very much so. She had Uh, a great energy about her that she could calm down any dog, whether it was nervous or aggressive. Never was there a dog cleaner than when Courtney bathed it.
3: Along with the perfect job came a new lifestyle as Courtney continued to find her way in the world.
6: When I first met Courtney, she was young cheerleader type, dressed very preppy and that all changed and she adopted this almost hippie persona and she listened to a lot of reggae music and she seemed just much happier and much more peaceful Courtney was very
1: you know artsy artistic and I think just being a hippie was just another way to express herself
3: After reveling in the single life throughout her teen years, at 20, Courtney fell hard for 19-year-old Bradley Hare, a local excavation worker. Nine months later, the pair moved in together.
2: I think she was looking at this as a long-term relationship, not just a casual boyfriend uh, that, you know, would be here today and gone in two weeks. She loved him. She cared about him.
1: And I think that It was the first time that Courtney ever had those kind of feelings for someone. He was the complete and total opposite of Courtney. He was quiet and shy, and I think that's why they got along so well. The couple
3: rented a cozy flat in downtown Palmyra, just a 10-minute drive from Courtney's childhood home.
6: And when Courtney got her own place, the biggest thing that made her happy was that she could have Sheba with her in the house. She loved that dog so much.
3: Then, on a summer night in 2012, when all seemed right with the world, Courtney's domestic bliss comes to a sudden and dramatic end.
4: Courtney was having some sort of a party at her apartment. Uh, One of her neighbors uh, knew that Courtney's boyfriend was on probation, knew he shouldn't be drinking alcohol and that neighbor called the Lebanon County Probation and Parole Department to report what was going on.
5: Brad was on probation,
4: at the time, for underage drinking.
5: They showed up to do a typical check at the home, found there was alcohol, and pretty much took Brad away as a violation of his probation. Courtney was scared. You know, she was going to be alone.
1: I got a phone call from her at 9.54 that evening, and she was very upset because she thought he'd be going to jail for the remainder of his probation, which I think it was four years. I asked her if she would like to come to my house, and she did not want to do that.
3: Instead, Courtney turns to 29-year-old Cody Pruitt, an acquaintance from the nearby racetrack.
5: I'm not even sure why she reached out to Cody. I didn't even know Cody was a friend of hers. They arranged to meet at a place called the gas station in Hummelstown, where they went and had drinks and got their night started.
2: Courtney was very unhappy. She was very distraught. She wanted to blow off steam. This is who she found to hang out with at night.
3: Eventually, Courtney and Cody meet up with his friend Milton Rodriguez and another couple. The group piles into Milt's car and heads to Harrisburg.
5: They all ended up downtown on 2nd Street, which is a very happening place for the young kids to go down, anybody to go down and hang out and drink. I wouldn't really say that was Courtney's environment. I think Courtney was just brand new at being 21.
3: As the night wears on, Courtney can't shake off her fury over Bradley's arrest. Courtney just maybe kind of went a little bit
5: crazy for a short period of time and how she dealt with that emotional loss of Brad.
4: By all accounts, she must have drank pretty heavily because she became intoxicated, very intoxicated, and at one point got into an argument with an acquaintance of hers uh, and that person's girlfriend. She believed this acquaintance had broken into her apartment uh, a few months prior and had stolen money from her.
1: And I think Courtney confronted him because she was just had a lot of anger about everything
2: that happened that night. She was feeling invincible. I guess it got pretty loud loud enough that security was called and the bouncers came over and asked that Courtney leave
5: but what was really ironic is the people that were there with her didn't go with her they kind of left her out there
3: by herself but for Courtney far greater danger lies ahead
0: Few things are more devastating than a loved one that's gone missing. From Wondery, The Vanished is a podcast where host Marissa Jones tells stories of missing persons that have gone overlooked. She seeks out the real story from friends and family, hoping to help them find their loved ones or at least a sense of peace. Listen to The Vanished podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or you can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.
7: Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one bestselling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for your year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like are you an overbuyer or an underbuyer, a morning person or a night person, abundance lover or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Furious that her boyfriend Bradley has been arrested for underage drinking, Courtney Stauffer starts an argument in a Harrisburg bar and is bounced out. Stop. Your
2: Courtney, she had been drinking, and she was in a feisty, feisty mood.
3: Outside and alone, Courtney texts her friends Cody Pruitt and Milton Rodriguez inside the bar to come take her home.
5: Somewhere between two and four o'clock, they got back into Milt's car that Cody was driving. And made their way back towards home, towards Palmyra. And at that time, Courtney felt she was okay to drive and she asked him to stop and let her off at the gas station so she could get her car. And Cody agrees, but he dropped off Milton Rodriguez first, which
4: was within six to seven blocks of where Courtney lived. Cody then took Courtney back for her car, and Cody followed her to her apartment. He had indicated to us he knew she was intoxicated and followed her for her own safety.
5: Cody always had a crush on my daughter. It wasn't a secret. But at the time, Courtney never appeared to have any interest or viewed their relationship in that way.
3: Just after 3 a.m., as Courtney and Cody approach her Palmyra, Pennsylvania apartment... Courtney spots her neighbors and becomes enraged again.
4: She did not get along with her neighbors for for various reasons. She would throw parties. It would get loud. It would be kind of disruptive for the people that live next door and also below her.
2: Courtney believed that these were the neighbors that had called the cops on her boyfriend for the alcohol at the party.
3: And Courtney is certain that one neighbor in particular placed this call.
1: Courtney didn't care for the neighbors. He was just a single guy living on the opposite side of Courtney.
2: She thought he was, look at her, strange. There was always something antagonistic between them. Just a thread of tension.
3: Courtney lashes out releasing all the hurt and anger she's built up over the night.
4: Ultimately, one of the neighbors called the Palmyra Police Department to, to report this disturbance.
5: 911, what is your emergency? The uh, person upstairs, she's outside just screaming and carrying on with all the neighbors. So I think her first name is Courtney. I will notify the officer to come check it out, okay? And then the police show up. You know, and the police see everybody's been drinking. Everybody's a little bit in the wrong state of mind and ask them to go to bed. And that if they're called out one more time, somebody's going to jail.
4: Cody took Courtney, took her into the, her apartment. The neighbors went into their respective apartments, and it was pretty much considered to be done at that point in time.
3: But it wasn't. Moments later, at nearly 4 a.m., the neighbor hears loud banging on the other side of his walls, and the police are called again.
2: Now, what is emergency? He's upstairs, screaming, hollering,
4: and banging on the, on the floors, and stomping. I can, I can hear him on my, on my side. I'm, I'm done.
5: So then I guess it persists a little bit inside, The temperament of Courtney, you know, wasn't completely diffused. I'm sure she was making some noise, whether it
2: was stomping on the floor or yelling. I think Courtney was still mad. She was still wound up. And she wanted everyone to know that that she was upset.
6: Okay, we'll notify Officer Palmyra, I will come out for you, okay? Thank you, sir. You're welcome.
3: For the third time that night, Palmyra PD responds to a complaint at Courtney's home.
4: The police came back out at a little after 4 o'clock, just after the phone call. And this time when the police arrived, everything was quiet. Uh, the officer went up to Courtney's apartment, um, knocked on the door. Nobody answered. She was quiet. The neighbors were quiet. There was no indication that anything was going on at that point. Uh, and the officer, using his discretion that what he believed to be a drunk disorderly person had finally calmed down and, and, and hopefully gone to sleep decided to leave the situation as it was.
3: It's a decision that some will later question.
5: Police officer goes from, if I come back here a third time, somebody's going to jail, to walking away from unanswered doors. And at that point in time, Courtney could have been in distress.
2: I would think that the officer thought that they had gone to bed that this was something that had fizzled itself out. Why kick the bee's nest?
3: The next day, the entire community turns out for the annual Lebanon County Fair, a family tradition for Courtney and her older brother, Ryan.
1: The county fair was something that Ryan and Courtney did together since they were six and eight. They would show their animals And then as they got older, they still would go every year. And so that's what I just figured was going to happen on Sunday. But she she didn't show up.
3: Not only is Courtney a no-show at the fair, she doesn't return her mom's calls throughout the day, which is very unlike her.
1: I got worried Monday morning when I called Ryan and asked him, did you talk to your sister? I haven't been able to get a hold of her. Did she come to the fair? Did you meet up with her? And he said he did not, so I got in my car and went to her apartment. I pulled in the apartment and her car was there with all the windows down. And it seemed strange, but I didn't really think too much of it. I just walked by and kind of looked in the car. And then I walked to Courtney's door and her light was on outside. The door was unlocked, I opened the door, and her dog, Sheba, met me halfway, and I said, where's mommy? And she was all excited and kind of worked up. I saw that Sheba had messed on the floor, which never happened. I looked in the living room, the uh, TV was on, the air conditioner was on. I saw her keys, and her shoes, and her purse.
3: But it's when Wendy spots Courtney's cell phone that she really starts to panic.
1: There was 18 missed calls. I knew there was something wrong.
3: Wendy Stauffer is deeply alarmed by her daughter Courtney's sudden radio silence she immediately gets word to Courtney's dad, Scott. Although the pair are divorced, they're united when it comes to the welfare of their children.
2: Courtney's parents reached out to Courtney's family, friends, acquaintances.
5: We scrolled back through her phone, pulled numbers off of people she had contacted at the time.
6: Courtney's father called me the Monday after she had gone missing. He asked if I had heard anything from her, and I told him that the last I talked to her was that Saturday we were texting.
3: Courtney's friends are stunned to learn that by the looks of things, Courtney left without a single possession, not even her beloved dog, Sheba.
6: That was probably the saddest part. I knew something terrible had happened because Courtney would never leave her dog behind.
3: As Courtney's father continues to scrub through her phone, he discovers her texts with Cody Pruitt from two nights before. I just
5: asked him, please help us find Courtney, because this, this is completely out of character.
3: Scott listens intently as Cody recounts the events of Saturday night, including the arrest of Courtney's boyfriend. Her barroom argument in downtown Harrisburg and 3 a.m. confrontation with the neighbors back at her Palmyra apartment.
2: Cody says that he went in with Courtney to try to calm her down, um, just to to be with her and to be a friend.
1: Cody said they went up into their apartment and they were gonna just you know chill out and relax. Courtney ended up getting you know more upset, and more upset, with stomping on the ground and yelling at the neighbors. And then, I guess, the cops were called again. And at that point, they turned the lights off, and he ended up going to sleep, and he doesn't know what happened to her. When he woke up the next morning, she wasn't there.
5: He said he got up to go to the racetrack to shoe a horse where he was a farrier, and he kind of looked around for court and didn't see her. And he shouted out a couple times that he was leaving to say goodbye, and he left. And then he went to a local convenience store where he made a call to Milton Rodriguez to try and get him up because he still had Melt's car.
3: Cody is Scott's best hope for learning what happened to Courtney in those wee hours. But the young man insists that he sleeps like a rock and heard nothing. By midday Monday... Courtney's parents start to fear the worst.
1: I was scared and panic had, had set in. We called the police later Monday afternoon. They asked us to come over Tuesday to file a missing persons report.
2: It's customary to wait on the missing person. Uh, you never know if somebody's going to show up Courtney was angry, so there was the thought that maybe she had gone, you know, just on a walk uh, to blow off steam.
3: Trying to stay hopeful, the Stauffers set up camp at Courtney's apartment.
1: I didn't want to leave until she till she got back or one of us had heard from her. I was calling all my girlfriends and little by little they they came over to help.
3: But by Tuesday morning, Courtney still hasn't returned. So the Stauffers head to the Palmyra Police
1: Station. It became real when we had to file a missing person report and put her in the National Missing Persons Data. Um, you know, we had the paper in our hand as we walked out of the police station, and that's when it it all became real.
5: No one's really ever prepared for that. I mean, with an accident, you have instant closure, or you know what's going on. It's not.
3: It's not like an endless hope. Once Courtney is officially declared missing, Palmyra police request assistance from the Lebanon County District Attorney's Office, which has the resources to handle more complex cases.
4: Well, the officers and the detectives went out to the apartment, took a look around, tried to find out if there was any indication of a struggle.
1: That's when they declared it a crime scene. They put the yellow tape up. And they actually put a lock on her door so no one else could go in and out.
4: Uh, the apartment was actually processed uh, quite a number of times with the assistance of different law enforcement agencies and dogs.
3: Despite several forensic searches of Courtney's apartment, Investigators can't find evidence of foul play or anything that points to her whereabouts. They're anxious to talk to the neighbors Courtney argued with just hours before she went missing, starting with the couple downstairs.
2: After speaking with them, there was no real leads that come out of that. The neighbors did not know where she was or what had happened to her.
3: The couple says after the patrolman sent everyone inside, they heard the noise upstairs but went to bed.
4: It was 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, One would assume that that people were trying to sleep and just consider the event over finally.
3: Detectives move on to the 44-year-old single neighbor who lives next door.
5: The neighbor, the whole time we were there, he's acting strange.
1: Wouldn't make eye contact with us, wouldn't talk to us. Scott asked him, have you seen Courtney? Did you hear anything over the weekend? No, no, he didn't hear anything.
3: Police learn that Courtney and her neighbor have been hostile towards each other for some time.
1: About a week or so before she went missing, she called me, and she was very upset that she told me he's videotaping me. We're on the porch, he's right here, he has a videotape. And I was like we'll just go in the apartment and shut the door. Just don't engage with him. And she, you know, she was just like, well, he's creepy and I don't like him.
3: But the neighbor denies that any such incident ever took place. Police press him further about a voicemail he left for Courtney's landlady, the very night Courtney disappeared.
1: We listened to it. He was very irate. He wanted Courtney out of the apartment he was gonna do whatever it took to get her out of the apartment and if they didn't take care of her he would.
3: The voicemail threat isn't the only thing alarming the Stouffers.
1: While we were sitting there waiting for Courtney to come home, the neighbor must have come in and out of his apartment at least six times. He would leave for a few minutes and he would come back, took a couple bags of garbage to his car, Then he would leave again and come back.
5: I don't to this day understand how I didn't just go over and force him to open up what was in his bags.
3: Days after Courtney Stouffer disappeared from her Palmyra, Pennsylvania apartment, police questioned the neighbor she argued with just hours before.
4: He was interviewed by county detectives. It was very clear that uh, he considered Courtney to be a a, a troublesome neighbor again from a uh, noise and unruliness standpoint.
3: But although the neighbor admits making complaints about Courtney, he denies any part in her disappearance. It seems the excessive trash that the Stouffers saw him carrying was simply debris from a home improvement project something detectives immediately check.
4: The day we became involved, uh, we searched to see if there was anything in his trash that might suggest foul play, and searched his trash on occasions after that. His vehicle was searched, his apartment was searched, uh, took cadaver dogs through his apartment, uh, and never had uh, any reason to believe he had an involvement.
3: As investigators continue to dig deeper, Courtney's family appeals to the community.
1: My girlfriend had her, her kids make up missing posters, and all, all the kids came and kind of just went around town hanging up in posters.
3: Courtney's dad, Scott, offers a $5,000 reward for information that leads to Courtney. And her mysterious disappearance makes national headlines. But after four days of intense media coverage, there's still no sign of the fresh-faced beauty.
1: I had a lot of people help me put together a candlelight vigil right at the police station, so I was kind of giving them a boost, like, we need to find her kind of thing. All of her friends got together, and her sister and her friends, and they made tie-dye shirts that say, Courtney, come home. So we had um, about 200 people come to that. It was beautiful.
3: The massive turnout is a testament to the closeness of the small Pennsylvania community and the power of Courtney's story.
6: I think people were very surprised to come to know that something like this happened in their town. A lot of friends and family, and even a lot of people that had never met her, showed up to show support for her and for the family.
5: Obviously,
3: we touched a lot of people. A week after the vigil, a search party is organized by the Palmyra Fire Department, and the community rallies again.
4: I think the community as a whole almost viewed it as their daughter was missing uh, or their sister or their cousin, if you will. We didn't have enough of places to search.
5: So there were people we had to turn away. I think today is about finding out where she's not so we can move forward with where she might be.
3: For several hours in the August heat, 50 people comb a two-mile radius around Courtney's apartment hoping to find even the smallest clue. But despite their efforts, not a trace of evidence is found. Meanwhile, police take a harder look at Courtney's circle of friends, especially those she was with the night she vanished. The person closest to Courtney, her live-in boyfriend Bradley, has the tightest alibi.
4: Bradley was in jail at the time this happened. Uh, but, but didn't provide a whole lot of information outside of that. Bradley, uh, believe it or not, wasn't the most cooperative person. Uh, I, I believe he's got a, a, a negative view of law enforcement in general and wasn't terribly interested in speaking with us.
3: And yet it was Bradley's arrest that triggered Courtney's meltdown the night she went missing, even though his detention came to nothing.
2: Courtney would have thought that Brad would be going away for a long time to serve the rest of his sentence behind bars, and she'd be without him. He was only held a couple of days, and then he was released. The thing that Courtney was most scared of never came to be.
3: Investigators turn their attention again to Cody Pruitt, the last known person to see Courtney. But Cody's account of that night remains the same. After the police broke up Courtney's fight with her neighbors, he put her to bed, fell asleep, and heard nothing more.
4: He he simply said to us, when I woke up in the morning, she was gone. I have no idea when she would have gone, how she would have gone, or where she would have gone.
2: The next morning, Cody says that when he realized that Courtney wasn't there... He tried to contact her. He tried to text her a couple of times. Uh, He also went to a convenience store.
3: Police checked the surveillance tape at the store and confirmed this part of Cody's story. But as Courtney's dad, Scott, continues to speak with the young man, it raises more questions. You put yourself right
5: beside her, and over two hours she disappears. And you have no idea because you sleep so hard. So it's very difficult to say... He, I believe, everything Cody says.
3: Following his instincts, Scott calls Cody's friend, Milton Rodriguez, who was also out with Courtney and Cody that night, and whose car was used to drive everyone downtown.
5: Milton was nervous. He didn't know what happened. He's not sure. He was very vague on his
4: answers.
3: Scott shares his impressions of the two young men with detectives.
4: We sought and obtained search warrants for uh, both the residents and the vehicles of Cody Pruitt and Milton Rodriguez, and thought potentially this could be a kidnapping. We were interested in, in trying to find any evidence that may exist in both their vehicles and their residents.
3: But after an exhaustive search, police find nothing in either man's home or car that links them to Courtney's disappearance and both men maintained they had nothing to do with it. However, detectives do discover new details about the argument Courtney had in Harrisburg the night she went missing.
1: As far as I know, the person that she got into the argument with at the um, hardware bar, he was a known drug dealer around town. She had thought that he had broke into her house and stole some items or that he had had someone break in.
3: Investigators have already learned that Courtney did smoke marijuana.
1: Courtney was a hippie, at heart, and everybody knew she got high. But it was just something that we did not talk about. She didn't get high around me.
5: There could have been other things. I'm not saying to anybody, by any stretch of imagination, that my daughter was an innocent girl. She was a teenager that was exploring her life. You can't be judgmental of my daughter for being
3: a young girl. But now police can't help wondering if Courtney's drug use could have gotten her into real trouble.
2: As fun-loving and as free as Courtney was, she was mixed up in some things that were not good choices for her.
3: Detectives interview the alleged drug dealer, but he denies any involvement with Courtney whatsoever. He says after their scuffle in the bar, he and his girlfriend went to his parents' house and stayed there all
4: night. Police did interview him shortly after Courtney went missing. He denied any such burglary taking place. And he provided an alibi which was substantiated by, by police.
3: As time passes, the Stauffers miss Courtney more and more each day. Although police continue to chase down new leads, nothing ever comes of them, until a disturbing tip rolls in.
1: I want to find Courtney, but I don't want to find her in the bottom of a lake.
3: Nearly a year and a half after Courtney Stauffer disappeared from her Palmyra apartment in central Pennsylvania, her family still receives random tips, none of which have panned out.
2: I think that the constant roller coaster of hope and disappointment just must be absolutely exhausting for the family.
3: But in March 2014, a local woman named Amanda Ballester contacts Courtney's dad, Scott, about a conversation she said she'd overheard. According to Amanda, Courtney was killed by two acquaintances who came to her home to steal marijuana and money.
4: Amanda Ballister indicated that she believed Courtney Stauffer's body had been uh, wrapped in a carpet and thrown into a a nearby lake called Memorial Lake. Based upon uh, the information that we had um, available to us through our investigation, we had absolutely no reason to believe that Courtney Stauffer's body would have been in Memorial Lake at that time.
3: Although detectives are skeptical, Courtney's dad wants the lake searched.
2: Scott's theory was, you know, let's look at it. Even if it's nothing, let's take a look at it and vet it out.
5: The state police made me aware that the resources were there and they were more than willing
3: to do it. A few weeks later, Pennsylvania State Police searched the 85-acre lake that lies just 12 miles from where Courtney was last seen.
1: When they were searching the lake, I, I I didn't go where the media was. I went around to the other side of the lake. I want to find Courtney, but I didn't want to find her that way.
3: Using an underwater camera and sonar gear, police methodically scanned the lake for five hours But there is no sign of Courtney.
5: I was hoping that they'd find exactly what they found, that she
3: wasn't there. Later that spring, a volunteer diver conducts a second search, but he too comes up empty. During the two years that follow, detectives keep working the case.
2: The police continued to stay on top of this investigation. It never, went cold. It was never left to just chance. They stayed vigilant.
4: All of the people that Courtney had contact with that last night were all interviewed multiple, multiple times by various officers to make sure we weren't missing some angle or some questions that should be asked. Uh, And polygraphs were administered to a, a large number of the people that were involved in this case as well. Due to the fact that this really is an open investigation, we we are not able to discuss the results of the polygraphs.
3: In the fall of 2015, the family hires a private investigator to help drum up new leads.
2: I'm less intimidating. Everything that you tell me is confidential, just as if you were telling an attorney. If you tell me something, it won't be leveraged against you later.
4: I think it's actually in some ways been helpful to, to have this person uh, also taking a look. And we all want the same thing. In a perfect world, we, we find Courtney alive and well. And if we're not able to do that, my next hope of course would be to, to provide answers as to what happened to Courtney. And of course, if someone is, is responsible criminally, bring that person to justice.
3: Until detectives get answers to this confounding case, All the people who came in contact with Courtney that fateful night, friends, neighbors, and adversaries remain on their radar. The community has been so generous that the reward for helping to find Courtney has risen to $50,000 and continues to grow. The family feels strongly that somebody out there knows something and wants to encourage them to come forward. And I would just plead and beg for that person
5: To find some sense of compassion, some, some sense of caring to do the right thing. If it was an accident and they're just concerned and worried, don't be. You know, we're not looking for an eye for an eye. We want to know where our daughter's at.
3: It's now been more than four years since Courtney's family and friends heard her tell a story or listen to her laugh.
6: I think that a lot of people miss her and even people that have never met her before, they know so much about her now that they wish they would have met her.
3: And many still hold out hope of finding Courtney. Courtney.
6: There were several times that I looked at her name and number in my phone and I just thought maybe if I text her one more time that maybe she'll text me back and everything will be all right. It's hard to let go. We constantly
1: keep Courtney in everybody's face as much as we can. We keep her posters up in town and when people take them down we put them right back up. Every year we have a bonfire and we light lanterns for Courtney's age. We play songs that she likes and we play songs about coming home.
3: Until they find their missing daughter, the family often gathers at a memorial they set up in Courtney's childhood playground.
1: The park caretaker, he was a high school teacher of Courtney's. And so um, he graciously allowed us to plant this tree in her name. It's a dogwood tree, and it blooms in the springtime around her birthday.
3: Courtney's dad likes to think about his daughter on top of the mountain behind his home, where she loved to hike.
5: From this spot, you can to literally see Courtney's home where she grew up, um, the office where she spent time working, and the farm. You know, where Courtney had some of her animals. I like to come up here a couple times a month. If nothing else, just to sit and be quiet, just listen to whatever God wants me to hear. Not speaking in the past tense at all, but I feel Courtney's spirit here.
3: If you have any information about Courtney Stouffer or her disappearance, please contact the Lebanon County District Attorney at 717 228. 4403. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe.
0: Nickelodeon was kid everything. But that marked one of the darkest chapters. Three predators worked at Nickelodeon.
3: It made me wonder who was being hurt. Quiet on set. An ID true crime event. Sunday, March 17th at 9. On ID and stream on
5: Max.